all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. And our dear listeners know what's coming next. Yes. When David says hello, it's a reverse bad thing. And this is a twist rooney Plus, I think we gave them a warning last oh, yes. week. Yes, we did. We that, did. Uh, that you should probably not tune into next week's episode. We didn't I'll be hosting say it. that. <laughs> we didn't say that. We just said that we were doing a... a a change up a little bit that I did the first part of yes. this topic and you're doing the second part. We've done three or four two-parters at this point. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. We've done a four-parter. Yeah, that was a bad idea. No, not necessarily. I mean, it was a big topic, but I just think that it got so tiring talking about the same thing for a month. Well, I mean, trust me, with all the research that I did on this today, this we could have easily stretched this mm. into a... Uh, probably a 10-parter if we really uh, wanted to. There's, but it would have just devolved into depression, right? Like uh, yeah. Horribleness. And, and that's where I'm going with this ep- episode. Oh, so, uh, uh Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us. Insta, Twitter, Facebook, at All Bad Things Pod. Um, we've gotten a bunch of new likes recently on the Facebooks. And um, people have... I don't know what is wrong with... Not people. With... Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. But that's, that's well, a topic not, for a different Well, not our day. people. Other no. people. Um, but my Facebook notifications have been super weird. So like I've seen notifications that people want to join the discussion group and then I go to approve it and there's nobody listed to approve. So I, I still don't understand how the whole discussion group I, I gotta group say thing I don't works. either, but, but to our listeners who have asked to join and like gotten just ghosted, I am so sorry. I don't know how to approve you. You're not showing up. <laughs> There's something weird going on with Facebook, and I've tried it on mobile. I've tried it on desktop. Anyway, and also, like, not all the notifications are coming through, so some stuff it takes me a while to react to. I'm so sorry. If you think that we're, like, snubbing you, please reach out, because I swear I'm not doing it intentionally. Reach, I like you guys. Just reach out on something other than our discretion group. I guess. Like... <laughs> All bad things pot at Gmail if all else fails. Like, email still works. Isn't it funny how email is like the new old fashioned way to communicate? It pretty much is. Yeah. Aside from business. I get maybe five emails a year that are relevant. Personal, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That are like, oh, I need to to actually read this. I get a shit ton of emails, but it's just because, like, from clients and stuff. So it's business related. It is during tax season when you're a tax preparer. Yes, so uh, get get used to hearing much more of my voice. Yes, thank you. By the way, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, yeah, because it's getting it's getting. And to the audience, I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> no. that's just how it's going to be. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> you're Abby's favorite. Did you know that? I did not know that. She commented today, and I'm going to have to give her a hard time for this. She said that you're hilarious. And told me not to get my feelings hurt that I'm great too, but you're just fantastic. Oh, well, so. well, thank you, Abby. Yes. I am a slightly miffed by that, but that's okay. I can't be everybody's favorite. No. I think I'm Emily's favorite. I like to think I'm You're Emily's my second favorite. favorite. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. Didn't watching the big sick put you in the mood of like, oh, we have such a great life. And any uh, any other day where I didn't spend five hours researching this and then watching nothing but docs on this event spills. <laughs> and also some stuff on uh, Deepwater Horizon because yeah. I didn't really when that happened. I mean, I knew what happened. Everybody in the world, course, I'm pretty yeah. sure, knew what happened, but I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to that either. Yeah. And watch some depressing stuff on that. So. Yeah. We'll get to that one one day. Oh, yeah. Although I'm, after researching this and... We'll make it a while before we get to that one. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good on oil spills for a while. Yeah. Uh, plus, there are oil spills in other parts of the world that... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like oh, there yeah. Like, there was a bad one. I think it was in Japan last really? year or really? somewhere oh. on the other side of the earth mm-hmm. um, from us. Uh, before we get started, what are you drinking? Uh, well, tonight we are changing it up a little bit. We are. Uh, I am having an orange vanilla Coca-Cola. Ah. And it is delicious. Yeah, it's new too, right? It, it is. I did concoct you this. You invented it. Myself <laughs> at a restaurant where they have those fancy uh, Coca-Cola drink things. and I was Freestyle, like, they call it. Yes. The Coke freestyle machine. And I was like, this is really good. Like, somebody should make this. And now they do. And Coca-Cola, if you're listening, <laughs> all I demand is... Five cents for everyone sold? That's not too much, is it? <laughs> How much like, did this cost? Was this a dollar fifty? Probably yeah, something so that's like, like that. Yeah, so that's less than five percent. I think that's reasonable. Oh, come on. <laughs> you want five percent of their revenue basically from just one, off this. Oh, just off just the off one product. Just yeah, off the just one product. Yeah, just the one product. Yeah, that's never gonna so that's happen. No, yeah, it's no skin off their back. And I am drinking Diet Canada Dry ginger hey. ale. Oh yeah. Yes, we're on a um we're on a dry out. A, a slight dry out, trying to... Uh, you make it sound like we've been drinking I know. Like, all day for like, the past <laughs> five months. It does sound like we're <laughs> alcoholics. That's not what I mean. Um, more just, it's uh, regardless of your drinking level, it's not a bad idea to take a take a break every now and then. Yeah. Give your liver a, a chance. <laughs> give your liver a chance. All we are saying yeah. is give your liver a chance. Yeah. So... Any yeah, instead of peace, just give your liver yes, a chance. Exactly. Peace that you know that'll take care of itself never. <laughs> but uh, uh, so and I do have most of my voice back tonight, which is very nice. Especially considering I lost it a week ago. It's still not back full force. It cracks every now and then, but at least But at least it's we have better. the mic settings, right? <laughs> yes. Sorry <laughs> for how horrible our audio has been. Um probably my weakest point. In life is audio. <laughs> I know that sounds dramatic, but as a musician, it comes up a lot. Um, and every other musician I know is better at like sound mixing and shit than I am. To the point where last week at um, our rehearsal, I had at my band's rehearsal, I had to set up our microphones, and I I got and ears. The, no, no. And then the band told you to leave. No, I got ear splitting feedback no fewer than three <laughs> times. And that never happens to anybody else. So I'm just terrible at this shit. And we don't have an engineer. So it's just us. Yeah. Yeah. So for the people who put the one star reviews about the poor sound quality, (laughs) fuck you. Until you volunteer to be our engineer, you can yes. go yeah. fuck yourself. So, all right, let's get into this horribleness. Um, should I say trigger warning, especially oh, for animals? Yeah. Oh, that's awful. That's awful. Um, that's awful. And also just a disclaimer up front, I wasn't kidding um, when I said we could probably spend 10 episodes doing this. Right. There's a lot of stuff. 
when you did the first part and you were like, oh, you can do the second part, I'm like, yeah, that'll be easy. Mm. No. Because there's almost too much to pick from. There is so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this happened when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're 12, you don't know anything. Right. It's not like you remember. It's not like when I was 12, I wanted to join Greenpeace because this happened. Right. right. Um, I thought about it today after researching this. Mm. Like, that wouldn't be such a bad gig. Although it would. Well, it would be heartbreaking, but it would be yeah. doing something um, very noble. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of this stuff that I researched, I, I didn't know about at all. Hmm. Um, and it's pretty, uh, it's pretty heartbreaking. So, mm. so I'm going to have to. So to start off with an upbeat note. Yay. <laughs> What's our upbeat note? <laughs> uh, there isn't one. Oh. <laughs> Not in this episode. So we're going to have to to find our distracting humor in something else. Yeah. So, and we're not even drinking. No, we're not. Um, we probably, for any episode, honestly, this is probably the one we should have, like the, the 13 percenters. <laughs> oh, God. And, um, and like some uh, pop brownies, too. Oh, geez. This, but, is, uh, not, this is not boating well. Let's, okay, let's start. Let's get into it. So, um, so to, just to pick up off of where we left off last mm-hmm. week, just kind of backtrack a little bit and bridge the two episodes a little Slight bit. Slight summary. Yes. Previously on All Bad Things. Yeah, previously on one of the worst disasters ever. Um, so on the evening of March 23rd, 1989, the Exxon Valdez was at Port in Valdez, Alaska, with 53 million gallons of crude oil aboard, which had been pumped from Prudhoe Bay. Remember, Prudhoe Bay is an area that is rife with tauntauns. And sent down... Wait, uh, um... <laughs> from Star Wars. What is a Tauntaun in Star Wars? I told you last week. There's, <laughs> they're the things that they wrote on in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Bear. okay. And Han Solo had to cut into one of them to keep Luke warm, because Luke passed out. <laughs> keep Luke warm? Yes. <laughs> no, Luke warm. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's the funny part to that's, me. That's all um, the humor you'll get this yeah, week, Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I completely forgot about that joke, and I also completely forgot what tauntauns are. That's okay. Okay. You're not very big into Star Wars. But lukewarm is funny. For the uh, (laughs) five Star Wars fans that are out there listening to this. No, there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there. Maybe Uh, not quite as nerdy as you, but yes. No, actually, there's some way more (laughs) nerdy. Okay, continue. So, uh, the crude oil had been pumped from Prudhoe Bay and sent down the pipeline to Valdez. um, And... Uh, I'm sorry, I messed up. Uh, there we go. Sorry. Sent down the pipeline to Val- Valdez, and the Valdez would set sail for Long Beach, California at approximately 9.12 p.m. local right. time, which was a little earlier than scheduled. Remember, it was, it was li- originally scheduled for 10 o'clock. But they wanted to, s- they, the, they meaning the executives, like the yes. management wanted them to push, shove off early, like at 9, and so it was like 9.12, yeah. Time is money. Yeah. Um, around 11.15 p.m., just after taking over for the harbor pilot, Captain Joseph Hazelwood radioed the Coast Guard saying he was going to move the Valdez right. from the outbound shipping lane to the inbound shipping lane due to ice hazards in the outbound lane. Right. And also researching this, I, I can't remember if you brought this up at all mm-hmm. last week or not, that was not an uncommon practice Mm-mm. at this time. No, it wasn't. It, it was very... It should have been. An, an uncommon practice, but it was not. Oh, that, that will, you're going to get into that? We'll oh, okay. play into that a little bit later. Because, see, this is interesting because when I did my research, I didn't really go past the actual running aground. Because, so this, what you're going to tell after this, it's pretty much new to me. And I was four years old when this happened. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
And yeah. I was at the ripe old age of 12. <laughs> um, so again, this practice um, of leaving your lane was not right. uncommon. Right. Um, and we, we, like I said, we will get into right. that later. Uh, around 11.50 p.m., Hazelwood handed the ship over to the third mate, 25-year-old Gregory Cousins. Right. He ordered Cousins to continue along the inbound shipping lane until the ship reached a navigational point near Bus- Busby Island, mm-hmm. at which point he was to turn right and return to the outbound shipping lane. Right. Hazelwood returned to his cabin, at which point second mate Lloyd Lacane mm-hmm. was supposed to re- relieve Cousins. Did you did you write my research word for a word? Just about, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, this sounds very familiar. Yeah, as, as it will to the audience. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, where Le- okay. Lacane? Yes, Lloyd Lacane was supposed to relieve Cousins. Mm-hmm. But Lacane was feeling very tired that evening, and Cousins told him not to rush and right. to relieve him of duty when he felt ready to. Per the ship's log at 11.55 p.m., the Valdez passed <clears throat> excuse me, Busby Island, and Cousins phoned Hazelwood in his quarters, telling him he was starting to turn the ship per orders. Mm-hmm. However, the ship's course recorder would show that the actual right. turn did not begin until 12.02 a.m. on March 24th, right. seven minutes after the log had stated. Soon after, a lookout on duty ran into the pilot house to warn that a red flashing buoy that was supposed to be visible on the port side, which is... The right side. The left, left side. Left side. <laughs> I, was, I had a 50-50 <laughs> shot. Was actually visible on the starboard side, which is the, the right, right side. side. <laughs> At 12.04 a.m., March 24th, 1989, the Exxon Valdez hit Bly Reef and ran aground. Right. Hazelwood ran to the bridge and took over control of the ship from Cousins to prevent further damage. Right. But the damage had been done. Right. As a result of the collision with Bly Reef... An estimated 10.8 million gallons of crude oil spilled into Prince William Sound, Alaska. Right. So this whole episode is the aftermath <sighs> of this incident, and it's going to get grisly. Yeah. Nothing good happens when 11 million gallons of crude oil pump into water. And again, and this was not the first time in history that this had happened on okay. a ship. Oil this spills was, have yes. happened. Yes, and oil that. spills have happened from pipelines and things like that, too. This okay. is the first time in history that this amount it, So at oil, the time, it was a record breaker for... Yes, for Earth. It, okay. And sadly, it's since been passed right. several times. Right, Ugh. Um, So... We humans don't learn our lessons very well. Um, not when billion-dollar corporations are involved. Our, our uh, good judgment can be bought off. <laughs> oh, very easily. Yeah. And we'll get into that. <laughs> kind of. I can't remember if I put that in or not now. Anyway. I know there's, <laughs> there's a lot of information to go through, I'm there sure. There are a lot of threads, gotcha. and I only chose several. <laughs> um, so the oil industry's response plans had promised a swift cleanup in the event of a spill. So this was like their... Their pre-plans, like well, remember, should this ever happen? Mm-hmm. Here's our. Well, remember plan. when you brought up uh, the pipeline when they yes. were building it uh-huh. and Nixon mm-hmm. approved it and all this stuff. This was part okay. of the, the contingency plan of a spill. Was gotcha. part of this, you know. Uh, right. In order to be able to do this, we obviously have to have contingency plans if right. something goes wrong. But. Gotcha. <laughs> but do we? Let's say that they were kind of loose on it okay. a little bit. Um, Prince William Sound's remote location plays right. a big role yes. because Prince William Sound is only accessible by helicopter, plane, or boat. 
There's no bridge. There's no highway. There's no mm. nothing. There's, es- yeah, the, especially in the late 80s. The, and yeah. There is no real infrastructure. I mean, there are little towns and right, stuff like that, but it's not right. like you can just go to Prince William Sound. Just drive up the highway. Yeah. Well, plus... Um, there's an entire other country separating it from the rest of the United States. So yes. <laughs> it's not like you can just drive across the border um, between states to get there. Right. Yeah. And yes, still remote. Yeah. And Alaska is enormous and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, because of this, it made the government and industry response efforts very difficult and mm. severely taxed existing response plans. Mm. Nine hours after the Valdez had run aground, there was still no recovery equipment on site. So, obviously they knew right away, right? Well, he radioed in, and you'll the captain? You'll, you'll hear this okay. in some documentaries. Okay. Um, he radios in to the Coast Guard pretty much as soon as this happens okay. and says... We ran aground. Um, said or... something like, we've, we've run aground a bit or something like that, okay. and he says, I think we're leaking oil. Okay. Um, and that was two minutes after the after the uh, impact. Okay, so by like nine o'clock the next morning, there's, there's still, still nothing. nobody on there's site still doing nothing anything. There. And for all we know, the gas is still just leaking out of this. Oh it, yeah, they're not plugging up the hole or anything. Well, it, and and again, the amount of oil it didn't leak out all of a sudden. Mm. It's it's a slow drip, like a, a mm-hmm. stream. Yes, and the, and they still at this point they still don't fully know the extent of the uh-huh. damage either. Yeah. So. So nine hours after the Valdez had run aground, again, there was no recovery equipment on site. Oil industry and government protocol was stated to have the necessary equipment on site in no less than six hours after a spill. That didn't work out. Well, again, I mean, I'm not completely going over all this. You cannot completely fault because the of the remoteness? Right. Oh, okay. So that, maybe it was like an average time based on an average location? The location plays a role. Okay. But the steadfastness of the government and mm. the companies was not there either. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's there, there's plenty of, there's plenty of blame to go <laughs> gotcha. around. Gotcha. We'll put it that way. Gotcha. The spill posed threats to the delicate food chain that supports Prince William Sound's commercial oh, fishing industry. Oh, Yes. Also in danger were 10 million migratory shorebirds and waterfowl, hundreds of sea otters, dozens of other species such as harbor porpoises and sea lions, Mm. and several varieties of whales. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they were still whaling as we discovered that the whalers are. Not in 1989. Oh, really good. Whaling is done by then. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I want to say. Whaling stopped sometime in the mid seventies. Really? Okay. But because uh, they used to uh, kill whales for their blubber, right? Like that was for, a big for oil. Thing. Yeah, they would turn it into um, uh, perfume, like an oil I substitute, know. that kind of stuff. They yeah, used it in perfume and for and, and stuff. for food. I mean, they used well, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and like for indigenous peoples, okay, but yeah, but then there was a the whole commercial aspect. Oh to it, yeah. Um, since the incident occurred in open navigable waters, the U.S. Coast Guard's on-scene coordinator had authority for all activities related to the cleanup effort. Okay. His first action was to immediately close the Port of Valdez to all traffic. Yeah. A U.S. Coast Guard investigator, along with a representative from the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation, visited okay. the scene of the incident to assess the damage. Ooh. By noon on Friday, March 25th, the Alaska Regional Response Team was brought together by teleconference, and the National Response Team was activated soon thereafter. Okay, so this is like 
36 hours after. Yes. The, this okay. is when they're getting all the agencies. There, There is... People there are, on site. At this but point. But this is the bureaucracy behind yes. it kind of getting together. Absolutely. Okay. Um, because when, you know, the first mm-hmm. responders first got there, um, you will see in some of the documentaries the mm-hmm. first flyover shot ever oh, taken of this. Yeah, what does it look like? Uh, it looks like there's a tanker just sitting there uh-huh. surrounded by black water. Oh, wow. And the lady in the, that is, I can't remember if she was a passenger or flying the plane, um, she states that um, the gases are making them nauseous and they have, oh. to, they have to fly higher oh, to get. Oh, God. So just even being around it is. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yes, this is well. That's a lot of gas. Yeah, the, even it, like at a gas station, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. So yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. Uh. Yeah, the I never again. I never fully realized the extent of the yeah. damage of this. Do you incident. know some people actually like the smell of gasoline? Yeah, I think my sister is one of them. Actually, really? Yeah, she's weird. <laughs> Should I ask which one? <laughs> you mean Trina? I, I think you know. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Trina. We love you. We love you, Trina. You're not the weird one. See you at the beach in a little over a month. <laughs> but no, that's that's not an uncommon thing. I've no. heard of that, I've and heard, I don't I've know heard, why. I've heard I've heard too, like pregnant women like the smell of gas too. I don't know. What well, I I do think that I uh, there's a the very least anecdotal evidence that um, hormones can change women's smells when they're pregnant sure. um, or sense of smell. My mom got nauseated by um, pot roast. When she was pregnant with my sister. That sucks. Yeah, right? Because it's roast pretty much universally awesome. a great yes. smell. If, yeah. if our house constantly smelled like pot roast, I'd, I'd be <laughs> hungry all the time, I guess. I'm just trying to add some levity here. Yeah, because... Just trying to add some levity. My own personal odd scent that I like is like the mustiness of basements. You know that, that weird, I know a lot about, and I cannot stand really? that smell. I really like that smell. Because it reminds me of smelling uh, hockey equipment, because that's where I oh, always no, put no. my hockey equipment. Oh, no. I do not like the smell of hockey equipment, <laughs> no, just does. for the record. No. It's disgusting. Nobody does. Um, back so, to tragedy. Yes, back to this clusterfuck. Um, so, Alieska, which was the association right. association that represents seven oil companies mm-hmm. who operate in Valdez, including yeah. Exxon. That was something that I came across in my research mm-hmm. but didn't delve into, but yes. I, I get into them a little bit, okay. um, not too much. Um, but they were they first assumed responsibility for the cleanup in accordance oh, okay. with the area's contingency, contingency planning. Okay. Alieska opened an emergency communication center in Valdez shortly after the spill was was reported and set up a second operations center in Anchorage, Alaska, which was not too far away. Right. It's like kind of like on the other side of the little sort of peninsula. Right. Area. It's yeah. not in. It's not on Prince no, William Sound. It's but on it, another I, little inland. Yes. Like it's, to I, the I, west. Yes. It's it's maybe I think it was a hundred or hundred fifty miles away. No. Considering it's Alaska, it's yes. not far. Yeah. 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 Far in Alaska is like oh that's uh three thousand miles away. <laughs> right. Just down the road. <laughs> Um, so the Coast Guard quickly expanded its presence on the scene, and personnel from other federal agencies also arrived to help. EPA specialists mm. in the use of experimental bioremediation technologies, say that three times fast. What is bioremediation? Uh, I, well, I meant to get into that, but whatever. It's, <laughs> okay. It's, it's, uh, sci- Emily will explain it it's to us. It's science shit. <laughs> um, science and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it sounds important. Technology and stuff, yes. and science and shit. They assisted in the spill cleanup, and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, 
was involved in providing weather forecasts for Prince William Sound, allowing the cleanup team to adapt their methods to changing weather conditions, which turns out to be key because the third day into the cleanup, there was a big storm. Oh, God. Which spread the oil even further. Oh, yeah, because it it disturbed the waters. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Specialists from the Hubs Marine Institute in San Diego, California, set up a facility to clean oil from otters, and the International Bird Research Center of Berkeley, California, Mm -hmm. established a center to clean and rehabilitate oiled waterfowl. Three methods were tried in the effort to clean up the spill. So, like, from the water? Yes. Because those those, uh, agencies or or, um, organizations that you just mentioned we're specifically trying to help rescue the animals, basically clean up the animals. There are probably, and I'll get into more, there were probably, and I'm not even exaggerating, about 25 different agencies involved in this. Uh-huh. Some were involved in the cleanup. Some were involved in... The investigation. Uh, in the investigation. Uh-huh. Some were involved in uh, the environmental uh, rehabilitation. Okay. Some were involved with cleaning up the animals. So there is... Okay. This is a massive... Gotcha. Coordinated effort. Hundred, I well, more like hundreds of people working on this, and you have to remember right. this is in a part of in, Earth in a really remote area. Yeah. Yes, where <laughs> they had to essentially build their own infrastructure, right. To just to support to manage the all of efforts, this or yes. the cleanup efforts. Mm-hmm. So the methods that you're about to get into, those are specifically for the water, for like the cleaning the oil yes. from the water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or and the shore, I imagine too. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, so the three methods that were tried were burning, me- oh. mechanical cleanup, and chemical disbursements. Bus- oh boy. Dispersants. Sorry. Okay. All right. Tri- None of those sound one. Well, the mechanical. I guess it's like skimming. That kind of mm-hmm. makes sense. I'll get into that. Okay. All right. Uh, a trial burn was conducted during the mm. early stages of the spill. A fire-resistant resi- boom. Now, a boom is... Like a crane no, thing? No, no, no. Um, imagine... Um, and you'll see these in, in pictures and stuff of the oil spill. Okay. Imagine, um, you know when you're at like a community beach and they have like the, it roped off towards the end so you can't go past yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Imagine it like that. They, it's essentially... Oh. They look like the big floaty tubes that little kids sit on. Like a noodle? Yes. Kind of, yeah. So just imagine that. They they put those around the, the entire... spill? Well, tried to. Okay, yeah. That was That's wow. what they are for to try... And they are inflatable, and they will oh. at least contain what is on the surface. Okay, So gotcha. that it won't go any farther. So they tried to contain... That was an effort to contain. Right. Okay. The storm that happened a couple days later would oh, no. yeah, throw just, off those efforts yeah. a little bit. Um, so the fire-resistant booms uh, were placed on tow lines, and two ends of the boom were attached to a ship. Okay. The two ships with the boom between them moved slowly throughout the main portion oh. of the slick until the boom was full of oil. Oh, wow. The two ships then towed the boom away from the slick, and the oil was ignited. Mm-hmm. The fire did not endanger the main slick or the Exxon Valdez because of the distance separating them. Okay. But, again, because of unfavorable weather, however, oh. no additional burning was attempted in this cleanup effort. Mm. Yeah, that's true, because <laughs> they couldn't just throw a match in the water, because then no. literally all of that black water would have turned into fire, including exploding the Valdez. And and I, I this is another rabbit hole I went down. Uh-huh. This kind of procedure has worked before, but in mm. smaller. Much we're talking smaller, about. Yes. I mean, we're talking about ten 
million yes. gallons of crude oil. Right. Not petroleum. Right. Not gas that you put in your car. No. This is crude this oil. This is crude. This yeah. is just the gunk. This is uh-huh. just literally the shit. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. after looking at it, it's like, that's eventually what goes into my car. Right. Well, and there's, it is. that's the whole refining process. Mm-hmm. And all that, yeah. So shortly after the spill... Mechanical cleanup was started using booms and skimmers again. So, okay, so they they did that controlled burn mm-hmm. of, off the booms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now they're doing doing more with the booms, but it's just to remove the oil, not to... Well, it's, it's to contain it okay. for, for the burn. Oh, okay. But now they're using the booms along with skimmers. Essentially what a skimmer is, yeah. think of, think of like it as a... a skimmer. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, think, of, think of it as a vacuum cleaner for water. Oh, wow. So what they're going to use these skimmers for is to literally suck up wow. all the oil off of the top. <laughs> Problem was, vacuum. well, it's for used for other things, too. But yeah. in this case, this is what they were wow. using for, to suck up all the oil. Yeah. Because remember, because remember they're uh-huh. trying to recover oil as well. They're not trying to just... Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Although I would think that'd be very secondary, but still, still. It's, it is part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking of um, Suck It from The Office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> suck Put it. Put it on your body and you suck it. <laughs> suck it. Suck it. Suck it. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I am trying to help the light in the mood. That's all I'm trying to do. I know. This is a tough one. Um, however, skimmers were not readily available during the first 24 hours following the spill. And thick oil and heavy kelp tended to clog the equipment. Oh, yeah. Repairs to damaged skimmers were time-consuming, and transferring oil from temporary storage vessels into more permanent containers Mm. was also difficult because of the oil's weight and thickness. Yeah. Continued bad weather slowed down the recovery efforts, Mm. and in addition, a trial application of disbursements was performed. So what are disbursements? The disbursements, it's essentially... um, like, think of it as uh, they're flying planes over this. Think of it as, like, crop dusting. That's okay. kind of what it looks like. Okay. But the, the chemical is meant to break up the oil and actually sink it to the bottom. Is that a good idea? Well, this is the controversy Okay, of okay. Um, and the use of the dispersants proved to be controversial. Uh, yeah. Alyeska had less than 4,000 gallons of dispersant available in its terminal in Valdez and no application equipment or aircraft. A private company applied dispersants on March 24th with a helicopter and dispersant bucket. Because there was not enough wave action to mix the dispersant, oh. again, this is the day after, or okay, the day yeah. of, rather, uh-huh. with the oil in the water, the Coast Guard representatives at the site concluded that the dispersants were not working, mm. and so their use was discontinued. Okay. So essentially, everything they've tried up to this point Isn't working very well. is not working, just due to the size yeah. of this. That's the main problem obviously so their contingency plans it sounded like sounds like were not ready to handle the scope of this no not at all they were they were figuring a much smaller spill that potentially could happen stuff like this would be helpful but because and probably nobody wanted to think of yeah well what if the worst happens what if we lose 10 11 million million gallons in one you know what's that gonna look like and probably Mm -hmm. maybe nobody maybe nobody ever even thought of that in the first place you know so yeah i guess um because you have to remember these regulations were made in 1973 yeah this is 16 years later but a ship can run aground in 1973 too it can but ships at that time didn't carry this much oil yeah so Mm -hmm. um 
And we've gotten that in, into that before with like planes and stuff like that. Like uh, the Twin Towers were built to withstand oh, um, mm. an impact from the biggest aircraft of its time. Right, which would be surpassed in later years. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. So mm. technology outpaced went, outpaced the safety measures. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, where was I? Sorry. Uh, efforts to save sensitive areas were begun early in the cleanup. Sensitive environments were identified, defined according to degree of cleanup, and then ranked for their priority for cleanup. Do you get into what that means? Sensitive areas, kind of. Okay. Um, again, like, and I, and I've I've mentioned this pretty much every episode I've done research research for. Um, if everything kind of sounds a little bit back and forth, it's because it is because <laughs> there is just there was just yeah. so much yeah to do on it this. It can be really tough to organize. I, I'm with you. I, I did the I did the best I could, and You're I've already doing so good. Well, I've already noticed a couple places where I messed up and meant to put something somewhere else. Oh, but, you should see anywhere. all my typos. <laughs> I misspell words constantly. No, it's not that. It's just like oh, I remember I meant to take this uh, out and put gotcha. it over here, and, and just didn't. No problem. Um, Seal pupping locations and fish hatcheries were given the highest importance. Okay, good. And for these areas, special cleaning techniques were approved. Okay. Despite the identification of sensitive areas and the rapid startup of shoreline cleaning, however, wildlife rescue was slow. Adequate resources for this task did not reach the accident scene quickly enough, again, because of the remoteness of this location. Yeah. And because they, once once these people got on site, they literally had to build their own right. sites yeah. to to do this mm-hmm. through direct contract with oil, or because of a loss of food resources, mm. many birds and mammals died. Yeah. The spill eventually covered roughly twelve hundred miles, or square miles. I'll get into that. Oh, okay. The spill eventually covered roughly twelve hundred miles, or twenty one hundred kilometers. Very good. Of coastline. Oh. And 11,000 square miles. Oh, my God. Or 28,000 kilometers of ocean. Wow. That's a lot. That's like a hundred. Well, I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to do the math. (laughs) That's a lot. And 1,200 miles of coastline is basically like one entire coast of the United States. Right? Well, this spill Uh um, and it's size uh was about the same size as um uh mainland uk oh wow so oh geez imagine if the the entire entire well not the entire uk just the mainland oh imagine imagine england was just a giant oil spill that's and scotland right scotland's on the mainland but that's part of i'm saying like the Whatever. <laughs> okay. It was really big. <laughs> it was fucking huge. Mm-hmm. It was literally the size of a country. Yeah. So, now we're into the blame and the legal aftermath. Uh, okay. Of what was oh, is that, is that all we're saying about oh, the no, dead I, animals? Oh, no, I get... I get oh. I, oh, I thought we were maybe safe. No, no, no. Oh. I, I had to go... Back and forth a little bit. Yeah. yeah I gotcha. So, basically, it was just... Almost hopeless. What I just got into was ba- just the, the initial. Imme- immediate aftermath. The, okay. the, basically gotcha. the first 72 hours. Okay. So multiple factors have been identified as contributing to the incident. Mm-hmm. Captain Joseph Hazelwood, who was ri- widely reported to have been drinking heavily that night. Because we got into his alcohol problems mm-hmm. last week. 
was not at the controls when the ship struck the reef. That's correct. And watching, here's the other weird thing. Watching the videos of him, Mm -hmm. I could tell that this dude partied fucking hard because... Well, it was, yeah, no. He's 43 when this happens. Uh Uh-huh. Like your age. I'm 42. <laughs> he looks like he's 65. Yeah, really. I mean, he really does. So he he looks like he did. Some and it's hard also living. that weird thing, like people aged a lot quicker. I know what you back mean. In, it's yeah. strange. Like um, teenagers in the 60s looked like they were in their 30s, sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. and people in their 30s in the 70s look like they were in their 50s. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's a it's a weird thing. Yeah. But yeah, he looks like he's he looks like he's rolled hard and put away wet. Uh. Um. So he was widely reported to have been drinking heavily that right. night. We got into that a little bit in the last episode. He claims that he had a couple NA beers yes. and one beer that was like like point five percent. Yes, that's what he said. Yes. Um, Exxon blamed Captain Hazelwood for the grounding of the tanker, mm-hmm. but Hazelwood accused the corporation of being made a scapegoat, which mm. he pretty much was. Well, and also remember we covered this kind of last week that he wasn't on the best of terms with execs at Exxon. No. That he was known for being kind of insubordinate. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, his judgment was good. Yes. But it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because he basically was going against what people if, if he thought like other people weren't just exercising good judgment, he'd override them even though they were above him. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, which maybe made him a good captain, but it didn't make him a good employee. Exactly, yeah. Like, he, he could get yeah. the job done, but not at the... He wasn't He wasn't a loyal soldier, we'll put it that way. Right. He was... He wasn't a company man. He no. He was more he of He was a, his own dude. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I'm sure does not fly very well in a multinational, multi-billion-dollar corporation. Can I corporation. tell you, it doesn't fly anywhere in a corporation because that's true. Because um, when it was time to, <laughs> I've never experienced that. <laughs> when it was time to lay people off at my job a um, couple years ago, uh, I don't know that it was entirely coincidental that one of the people they laid off was the same person who told off the boss once. <laughs> in other words, me. <laughs> So I expected to get fired, not laid off. So it actually turned out pretty well for me. Yeah, it didn't I didn't get well scapegoated for, for anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you might have after you left and you just don't know it. Who knows? That's true. They could lied all sorts of I'm ways. sure your old boss was like, hey, well, Rachel handled that, but she's not here anymore. So <laughs> he probably right. did. Oh, I'm not going to go too much into that because I signed a severance agreement, but... We All won't, I we have won't, to say is... We won't is, name the company or the people uh, No, all I have to say is, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, as the senior officer in command of the ship, he was accused of being intoxicated and thereby contributing right. to the disaster. But he was cleared of this charge at his 1990 trial after witnesses testified that he was sober around the time of the accident. He wound up with a fine, which was undisclosed, and a thousand hours of community service of sweeping up the streets of Alaska. Oh, wow. So he got like a misdemeanor, some sort of... It didn't, and on a couple docs I watched, it doesn't really go into it, Mm -hmm. and and research I did didn't necessarily really go into, it just said uh, undisclosed fine, which I'm guessing was probably for thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, so, te- or tens of thousands of dollars. Who knows? So no jail time. But, no jail time. But he had to pay money. Mm-hmm, thousand hours so of community civil, service. Civil-ish. Well, no, not civil because it was um, obviously, um, yeah, like some sort of misdemeanor. He obviously didn't get 
convicted of anything that would put him in jail. So yeah, and and the funny thing is too is and before I started research researching this, that's all I remember is that yeah, he was a drunk that crashed the ship. Well, that was the narrative mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. wanted you to remember of exactly. Course. And we're about to find out why. After this next couple of sentences. Okay. <laughs> Wrapping up this topic. Um, at the helm, the third mate never would have collided with right. Bly Reef had he looked at his Raycast, R-A-Y-C-A-S radar. Okay. Which was a collision avoidance system. Oh, uh, C-A-S, collision avoidance system. But the radar was not turned on. What? Well, well, Why do you think that was? I don't know. Because the tanker's radar was left broken <gasps> and disabled uh, for more than a year before the disaster... And it was proven that Exxon Management knew it. Ah. It was just too expensive to fix and operate because... Fuck them. I mean, if you're in a remote area on <laughs> Earth... In a reef area, like... With icebergs oh and God. all sorts of reefs and all, like... Why the, do you want to know what other stuff is in the water? The last thing you would want is some sort of collision avoidance <laughs> system. I mean, that, why let's, let's avoid be collisions? Let's embrace yeah. collisions. It's only it's only a ship as long as three football fields and then some. So, what are the chances it's going to hit something? You know what I say? Crash into me. Isn't that a lyric? It's a, a Dave Matthews Band song. Oh. Yeah. So you just quoted. I quoted DMB. Yeah. I quoted and then Dave, as they say. You quoted. And then you gave their initials, which means you're a fan. And now you can't take <laughs> you it back. No, I am not I a fan. I was for like five minutes. And then after a while, it's like, yeah. I don't no dislike things. them. I just no. have no opinion of them. It, and it's, that's worse. If you're at like a party with 20 people and it's on in the background and you just don't notice it's there, it's, <laughs> it's good. That's what Dave Matthews Band <laughs> music is like. You just don't notice it's there. It's so unremarkable. That it might as well not exist. I will say, though, that the 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 drummer, Carter Boverd, is one of the best drummers I've ever heard. They're talented musicians. Yes, they I are. am not saying they are yes. not talented musicians, but sometimes talented musicians can produce truly unremarkable music. Yeah, just think of, um, uh, damn it. <laughs> you had a really good point. I did. No, I can't. I, I was... I, all that keeps coming to my mind. Tom was, Petty. No, all that kept oh. kept coming to my mind was Fleetwood Mac, but that's not who I'm thinking of. I'm thinking oh. of two guys, something else. Anyway, Steely, Steely Dan. Oh, thinking Steely of Steely Dan. Dan. Yeah. Steely Dan. Oh, they're yeah, they're really good musicians who some musicians especially like, and I know a lot of musicians who really love Steely Dan. It's just so boring that I mm-hmm. I can't agree. Makes you want to go to sleep. It's yes. it's it's like, it's like when you hear their stuff, it makes you feel that you're bored. Yes. You ever have that like yes. experience with the songs? Yes. Like it's like now I'm bored. Like why do I feel this you're way? Like, oh, it's because Steely Dan's playing. <laughs> exactly. But don't lose that number, Ricky. <laughs> no. That's right. That is them. God. <laughs> it's the only one you'll oh, want. <laughs> and then that's the other thing. Their lyrics were stupid as fuck, and and like. Thelonious, my old friend, and uh, Ricky, don't lose that number, and uh, my old school. Oh my God, those lyrics! I are honestly stupid. don't know the names of any of their songs. I just Tho- know I named the three Steely da- or four Steely Dan songs I know. Yeah, three, four. Midnight Cruiser. I actually do like a little bit. 
Anyway, okay. let's let's move on. Anyway, let's let's get let on. Let's, we'll move on, on with, from Steely Dan Corner. <laughs> on with on on from one of the worst bands of all time to <laughs> one of the worst environmental disasters of all time, which is much worse than Steely. Dan. And if you're a Steely Dan fan out there, I do mean offense. You know what they call themselves, Dan fans. <laughs> uh, of course they do. <laughs> and they uh, jog with their dogs and sort their garbage too. <laughs> that is that's actually I can't take credit for that. That is a George Carlin joke. Very good. May um, he rest. We, in peace. we miss you, George. You are sorely needed at this time in history. I think he would have died now had he survived, just of like sheer I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so other factors, according to an MIT course entitled "Software System Safety" by oh. Professor Nancy G. Levison, included <laughs> good sourcing there. Yeah. Ships were not informed that the previous practice of the Coast Guard tracking ships out to Bly Reef had ceased. That was a problem. Wait, so... The Coast Guard, um, when they went into this part of the bay... Into Bly Reef, the the area, yep. um, ...were not in contact with them, and that was not known to the crew. The crew was assuming that... Because that is the, the Coast Guard was keeping an eye on them, right? Because that's oh. the contingency that that did not happen. So not only did they not have the radar that they needed or the collision avoidance system, but they thought at the very least the Coast Guard had their back, and they didn't. And they did not. Oh my God! So they were just like fl- sailing blind. Yeah, I mean this. I mean, again, we have just all the recipes. Seriously, for, or all the ingredients rather for a, a disaster, for disaster are are, yes. are here. Um, just like in any fire that we cover, mm-hmm. you know, oh, they didn't have sprinklers. They didn't have the, uh, right. geez, I wonder how a fire happened. Right. Um, the oil industry promised, but never installed state of the art iceberg monitoring equipment. Mm. The 1989 tanker crew was half the size of the 1977 crew, um. worked 12 to 14 hour plus shifts <laughs> plus overtime. And was rushing to leave Valdez with a load of oil. So they were in a hurry and overworked. Mm -hmm. And didn't have their radar, and no one was watching out for them. The overworked part was, um, uh, I don't want to say denied, uh, disputed by uh, the third mate. What was his name? Um, Oh, Cousins? Yes. Okay. In court. Oh, so um, he was like, no, we weren't overworked. Yeah, but, but what about the guy who needed to take a nap? He was so tired. But he's, the second exactly. guy. Exactly. But, but, I mean. Or first mate or whatever he was. The third mate was only 25 years old, and he's like, hey, I got to. Oh, you know, he maybe didn't want to lose his job or probably. something. Probably. Mm. That's, that would be my guess. Or he was pressured, and who knows. But he, did, but, he did, but he did dispute that in court, that hmm. they were not overworked. Hmm. Uh, Coast Guard oh. vessel inspections in Valdez were not performed, and the number of staff was reduced. And lack of available equipment and personnel hampered the spill cleanup. So, uh, according to according to MIT, this is essentially on top of mm. the ships going to the outbound lane instead of staying in the lane where they were supposed to be. Yeah, do you get into that? A little bit. Okay. Um, again, there were there were so many yeah. places to go with this. Yeah. Um, so I I tried to. Package it as neatly yeah. as I could, but trust there were there was just no, so much. I understand that. Um, both the long term and short term effects of the spill have been studied. Okay. Immediate effects. It's been thirty years now. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost exactly, almost exactly yeah. thirty years. Yeah, we're probably going to start seeing this pop up. Yeah, because of in news stories an anniversary. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I highly suggest. Um, even after listening to this, mm-hmm. watch some stuff. Um, 
watch some doc because there is a lot of stuff I leave out. Sure, sure. Um, so both the long-term and short-term effects of the spill have been studied. Immediate effects included the deaths of trigger warning. Oh. 100,000 to as many as 250,000 oh. seabirds. Oh. At least 2,800 sea otters. Oh, otters. They're so cute. They are. Too. They are adorable. And oh, little baby otters. In one documentary, I heard one of them screaming. No, and don't. Don't talk about that. Don't. Yeah, That's too much. That's I too much. Don't want to hear no, that sound ever again. don't say that. Don't say that. Approximately 12 river otters, 300 harbor Only seals. 12 river otters? Yeah, that's what it says. That's a- that's an odd number. Maybe they just didn't hang around with the sea otters, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. It's true. They're river otters. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. 300 harbor seals. Aw. 247 bald eagles. Oh, yeah. 22 orca whales, uh, which also known as killer whales. Those are huge whales, too. No, they're, they're, those are the smaller ones. Oh. Those are, think of uh, free willing. Oh, okay. Um, oh, well, those are or tiny. Th- or, no. think of, or think of SeaWorld. Oh, that, that's, no. That's don't an or- die. That's I an try not whale. to think of SeaWorld. Yes. SeaWorld. And also an unknown number of salmon and herring. Yeah, because there would be no way to count yes. how many smaller fish. Yeah. Uh, there, there and also, um, there was no way to count uh, all the eggs that had been hatched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, well, I mean, I was going to say like frogs and little things like that, but um, it's Alaska, so I'm not sure how many of those types of Yeah, basically creatures. every species, including humans. Right. Uh, everything was affected by this. Right, yeah, yeah. In 2003, 14 years after the spill, a team from the University of North Carolina found that the mm. remaining oil was lasting far longer than anticipated, Ugh. which in return had resulted in more long-term loss of many species yeah. than had been ex- expected. Right. The researchers found that at only a few parts per billion, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons say that three times Very well done. Caused a long-term increase in mortality rates. In in animals? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They reported that species as diverse as sea otters, harlequin ducks, and killer whales suffered large long-term losses, and that oiled mussel beds and other tidal shoreline habitats will take an estimated 30 years to recover. From now or from then? From from then. Oh, Okay. I'll have more on that study later on in the episode. All right. So keep that 30-year number in your head. Okay. And that's from the date of the spill. Right, okay. Not from... Gotcha. Not from 2003. The initial estimate was that by now... By now. ...things might be finally starting to return to normal. And we'll get into that. Okay. I'm going to guess that estimate maybe got revised. It was off a little bit. In 2006, a study done by the National Marine Fisheries Service in Juneau found that about six miles, or 9.7 kilometers, <laughs> Very good. of shoreline around Prince William Sound was still affected by the spill, uh-huh. with 101.6 tons of oil remaining in the area. Yikes. ExxonMobil denied any concerns over any remaining oil. Oh, fuck you. Stating that they anticipated a remaining fraction that they assert will not cause any long-term ecological oh, and impacts. and how would they know? According to assholes. the conclusions of the studies that they had done. And that they funded and that, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've done 350 peer-reviewed studies of Prince William Sound, and those studies conclude that Prince William Sound has recovered, it's healthy, and it's thriving. If you fund a study, you lose all credibility 
as to the results. I'm sorry. Not necessarily. I'm not not in every case. Really? Not in every case. Like when you have a vested interest, that's not a conflict of interest. Not in every single case. That's obviously the case Mm -hmm. here. I'm talking about other stuff that. But anyway, not always the case. Most likely, yes. The the odds are ninety eight percent. Um. So, however, and uh, so so that is Exxon Mobil's uh, take on this. And <laughs> so I, everything's fine. It's okay. Yeah, it's all right. And uh, some of the interviews I had seen with the chairman of the time, uh, and I cannot remember his name at this moment, um, it made me want to not hang him. Um, <laughs> not publicly. <laughs> no, I, I I was thinking, no, drawn and quartering would probably oh, be a, a reasonable punishment for this guy. Because he was just being guy. that awful. I got very angry at very many times researching this and sure. watching documentaries. Uh, fortunately, I do own Red Dead Redemption too, so, so I took out take, yeah. I took out my anger and killed a lot of NPCs today. What's an NPC? A non-playable character. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Video characters, in other words, not real people. Exactly. Yes. I thought about it with real people, but oh. yeah, we don't. No, own, you we, didn't. Don't, we don't own a gun, so. Oh, good, and we never will. <laughs> Um, hashtag unless, citizens should not uh, unless the zombie apocalypse happens. Uh, no, it, but then you have to stab them. Like you no, know, look them in at the, head. the the sword that Michonne has. That's true, but I, I've never held a sword. I I'm pretty good with a hockey stick, but I'd oh, have to true. I'd have to file that down. You could do a barbed wire hockey stick. <laughs> All I'll lose. No, because that doesn't that doesn't penetrate. Like you gotta, oh, I'd have to okay. file it. But I yeah. You could make a giant shiv out of your hockey stick. I could. Yes, there we go. I am good with a stick. That's um, what she said. Yes. That's what you said. So, so we have clarification on that, in case anybody was wondering. Okay, let's move on. So, however, um, so that's that's Exxon Mobil's okay. uh, statement. They're like, they're like yeah, it'll be completely fine. everything will be fine. Yeah. What they really mean is like we're good. Like yeah, we have no. Yeah, we don't see anything. We don't live in Prince William Sound. Yeah. We give a fuck. Um, so in 2007, a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association study, or NOAA, mm-hmm, concluded that this contamination can produce chronic low-level exposure, yep. discourage subsistence where the contamination is heavy, mm. and decrease the wilderness character of the area. Decrease the wilderness character. Meaning certain species are just never going to return or okay. they're just never going to thrive okay, again. Okay, yeah. Um, the local human population of mm. Valdez and the surrounding areas suffered greatly as well. Mm. Uh, remember how I was talking about? Um, hang on, I got to go back a page. Um, uh, salmon and herring. Oh yes, uh huh. Salmon, Fishing. salmon have returned to not quite 1989 numbers, but okay. close. Okay. Herring. Never returned. Really? Herring fishing. To that, that level. Herring yeah. fishing was suspended immediately. Well, all okay. fishing in. Okay. In was Prince suspended Sound. immediately. And Prince. There is still to this day no herring fishing. Wow. In Prince William Sound. So the salmon kind of were able kinda to. Kind of made a comeback a come little back, bit. But because of whatever ecological reasons, mm-hmm. the herring couldn't. There is still no herring fishing wow. in this area. So an entire. Subset of fishing like just disappeared. And so people's if you were, livelihoods. I was gonna say if you were a herring fisher person, then <laughs> sorry, I was trying to be gender neutral, but fisher person sounds strange. Mm. And um, f- fisher, fisherman, fisher. fisherwoman, fisher, fisher, non-binary. I don't know. Whatever, it doesn't matter. People know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Human services and, in particular, commercial fishing and the subsistence harvest of Alaska natives have not recovered from the 1989 spill to this day. Yeah. Also, what happened in the subsequent years following... So what happens to any area... Um, to any uh, human population where the local economy kind of just gets swept out from under them. People move out? Or, or are you that. thinking more like drugs? and? Mm-hmm. Um, there was an increase of drug use, suicide, increase homicide. of domestic violence, mm-hmm. increase in suicide. Yeah. In, 2000, or not 2000, in 1993 in Cordova, Alaska, mm-hmm. a town not too far from Valdez, which depended on this, yeah. uh, the mayor committed suicide. Oh, wow. Completed suicide. Thank you. As Good the kids job. like to say these days. No, this is just, just kind of a more accurate term to use. So... And that was the other thing that really got me very angry was yeah. just, it's not like, it, it's not like if this happened, okay, if something like this, obviously an oil spill is not going to happen in Raleigh, mm-hmm. but if some, some economic impact happened to Raleigh, right? well, it would probably affect the whole triangle, but we could go to Charlotte or we could go to, you know what I mean? Yes. That we're, we are physically, geographically much closer yeah. to places where people could actually possibly relocate than in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. These people had grown up there, lived there all their mm-hmm. lives, generations or, of fisher, fishermen, yeah. mm-hmm. fisher people. And native people who literally yes. like came from yes. that area. Yeah. So not only did, and obviously all these people, they depended on the fish and all that for food. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for a career Economics, and for money. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just the, and I grew up, and thankfully, uh, do not live in my hometown, which is now a depressed right, economic uh-huh. area. And I've seen, you've seen, yeah. we've both seen with our own yeah. eyes what happens when a local economy yep. just disappears. Collapses, yeah. Basically. And it's not pretty. No. Um, and the, yeah. And so, I mean, to this day, the people have never recovered. Yeah. Um, a study by Balance Magazine, which is a Wall Street publication. Okay. So we're about to get into some numbers. Okay. That's yep. what Wall Street mm-hmm. cares about. Well. Concluded the following in 2018. Oh, okay. So this is recent. Wildlife value is measured by the cost to obtain or rehabilitate them. For okay. example, zoos pay, pay as much as $50,000 to capture an otter. Oh, wow. The cost, okay. the cost of losing 2,800 of these endangered oh, species Jesus. is $140 million. God. Exxon paid between $40,000 to $90,000 to rehabilitate them, confirming the otter's value. Harbor seals go for $20,000, so losing 302 costs $604,000. Most seabirds cost $300 each, so losing 250000 costs $75 million. Eagles cost $22,000 to rehabilitate, so 140 are worth $3 million. Total cost for just these four species... Right, and that's not everything. ...in the first week was $218.6 million. Oh my God. So imagine in yeah. an area where you only have maybe tens of thousands of people right, at best. Right, mm-hmm. And each week you're losing $200 million plus dollars. That's... That's going to lead to drug use, oh, yeah. suicide, yeah. domestic violence, mm-hmm. all kinds of shit. Yeah. 
Getting back to the UNC study I mentioned previously, so we're at 30 years since the Uh spill. (laughs) About 20 acres of Prince William Sound shoreline are still contaminated with 21,000 gallons of oil. Wow. Surprisingly, the oil is just as toxic as it was right after the spill. (coughs) Wow. It is decomposing no more than 4% a year. Oh. It could take centuries at best. Oh, my God. To completely dissipate. Four species have not recovered, mm. including a 36-member pod of killer whales, mm. which was also a documentary I watched. There's a team that oh. has fought. They are down to, uh, or they lost 14. Ooh. They are down to 22 members. Mm. Um, and all of the females are past uh Age, age of giving birth. Yeah. So this pod will die out. Will be extinct. Mm. Well, yes, die out. The killer it, whale right, will not right. be extinct. But this one family of they will Aww. eventually die off. Aww. Um. And there's going to be just one left at some point in this poor little one mm-hmm. killer whale. Until all species yeah. recover, the economy that depends on them mm-hmm. uh, cannot fully recover either. Right. So. Um, Let's get into, I'm just going to do a brief synopsis on the lawsuits. Oh, okay. Trust me, and I'm not this even exaggerating. A, a dip in the... We could do a two-part ex- episode on just the, the lawsuits, lawsuits alone. Yeah. Um, so I just basically chose this one little snippet. This is one of the several finality, final lawsuits. There are still lawsuits pending. pending. I can imagine the litigation could go on for mm-hmm. who knows how long. Um, as of December 15th, 2009, okay. Exxon had paid the entire $507.5 million in punitive damages, including okay. lawsuit costs plus interests, which were further distributed to thousands of plaintiffs. So a half a billion for a class action. 4,000 of those plaintiffs have since deceased. Oh. So that $507.5 million figure... Mm-hmm. Do you know what that figure was initially, if you are just to take a guess? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I would hope it's the B- before Before they refuted it. It was $5 billion. Wow, yeah. They, so they it's refuted a tenth of it. 10%. <laughs> they refuted it. It's gone to uh, local courts, state courts. It went to the Supreme Court. The oh. Supreme Court is what brought it down to $507.5 million, <laughs> which, again, makes you wonder what is the fucking use of the Supreme Court. Other than just to be a, a fucking band aid for entitled people. So. Uh. So, yeah. That again, like reading that, like I had to go back to playing Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> um, so, some good things came out of this. Okay. In response to the spill, the United States Congress passed the Oil Pollution Act of 1990, okay. otherwise known as the OPA. Uh, the, legis- the legislation included a clause that prohibits any vessel that, after March 22nd, 1989, has caused an oil spill of more than 1 million U.S. gallons mm-hmm. in any marine area from operating in Prince William Sound. So okay. essentially, if you've had a spill... You can't... You're, you're, you're banished you, from the you're area. Not, you're not going to So ExxonMobil couldn't, couldn't carry on business in Prince William Sound anymore, then? Is that what that means? That, you know what? I didn't think of that when I was researching that. Uh-huh. Um, I'm honestly not sure. I didn't come across that. Mm-hmm. Or is it... You, the, would, in- you would think that that's what that means, yeah. but I'm honestly not sure. Um, in the aftermath of the spill, 
Alaska Governor Steve Cowper issued an executive order requiring two tugboats to escort every loaded tanker from Valdez okay. out through Prince William Sound to, to the Hinchinbrook, Hinchinbrook entrance. Okay. As the plan evolved in the 1990s, one of the two routine tugboats was replaced with a 210-foot, or 64-meter, mm-hmm. escort response vehicle. Okay. So, basically, they're getting escorted out of the sound now so that there's not the chance. They have an entire ship going out before them. They have two. Two. And, uh-huh. and an escort response vehicle okay. that is on, on call. Very good. In case something happens. Okay. So it can get there quick. Mm -hmm. Um, Tankers at Valdez are no longer single-hulled. Congress enacted legislation requiring all tankers to be double-hulled as of 2015. That goes back to the act that we talked about with, mm-hmm. um, which Richard Nixon signed. Uh, um, I can't, I can't, re- I don't think we got into this at all, but this is something that I kind of left out, but now that I'm remembering reading this. Uh-huh. So at the time that that, um, the time they signed the bill for that pipeline mm-hmm. and set up the safety measures, mm-hmm. one of those safety measures was supposed to be oh. all ships leaving port at Valdez were supposed to be double hulled for the reason if one of them ran aground, there is an extra layer of protection yeah. so that there's not an oil spill. So why wasn't that enacted prior? Exxon Valdez mm-hmm. sued the federal government <laughs> over that practice, saying that it infringed on their... Oh, yeah. Essentially infringed on their rights to, to do business, oh, some fucking bullshit like that. Um, do you get into the fate of the Valdez itself? You know what? I don't. So, as I recall, and don't quote me on this because I only read it briefly, I think it got fixed. It continued in service, and it got scrapped in 2012. Oh, okay. So, it didn't didn't go out of commission completely right afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I literally spent spent about four to five hours, and... There again, there were just so many threads. We, I get it. Yeah, no, that that's fine. Um, What's your fun fact? I see a fun to, fact. Uh, just to just to beat a dead horse. Like this was emotional. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Definitely watching some of the documentaries. I couldn't, I, I couldn't even do that. Yeah, that uh, that'd be tough. The ones on the. Uh, I watched a couple of ones that were specifically on the animals. Oh no, I can I cannot um, do that. Don't. Think, well, no, I'm just gonna. I, you can cover your ears, but for our audience, in case they're wondering, because this is all bad things. I want to be want to give the people. Animals. I understand. I want to give people a picture um, in their mind, and this is unfortunately a tragic one. If anybody has seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, I can still hear you. I know you can. At the very beginning. And we watched this together, didn't we? This opening scene? I fell asleep during it, I think. How do you fall asleep during a war movie? It was kind of boring <laughs> after the D-Day thing. But we do, you do remember that. The D-Day. Yes, yes. You can't not remember that. I mean, that was yeah, pretty... Yeah, I mean, it was a big epic battle scene. Um, so at the end of that battle scene, the, the camera kind of pans over the carnage oh, with gotcha. all the human bodies splayed out all over the place. Mm. That's essentially what this looked like, but Petty instead animals. with birds, otters, whales. Humans are shit. It's, uh, it was pretty, like, I, I almost cried a couple of times, like, yeah. watching this. Like, it's, it's very upsetting. Um, 
And plus the other thing too is like the overhead shots of this. It's fucking gorgeous. Yeah, beautiful like this, land. Yeah, and blue and water, water yeah. and just not anymore. Calm and just you could yeah. tell that the and the people, the local residents that they interviewed, you can just tell that this, this is something that they they will never get over. Of course not. Yeah. Um, and you can tell like they were just like I like we so badly wish we could go back to the time yeah. where. We just had this all to ourselves. Yeah. You know, yeah, there were some dickhead oil companies that ran through here, but as long as they did their business and left, a, like, this was, it was theirs. Right. Like, it was their treasure. People made good money. Um, right. It helped the economy pretty yeah. dramatically. Um, and I did not get into this in this part, too, but the cleanup effort... Mm-hmm. Um, also changed kind of the landscape there, huh? It didn't change the landscape. People made tons of money oh, off, off the, the cleanup, cleanup effort. Yep. And there it were... It was its own economy. There were reports of, you know... Um, Gouging, people, basically. Well, that and people who were not native that, that, that were there to clean up, specifically on behalf of the oil companies, oil companies, executives that were there, uh, toasting Joseph Hazelwood because of all the much more money they've made. Oh, snakes. And that, yeah, and that, again, inspired more yeah, Red, Red, Red Dead, Dead Redemption <laughs> 2 killing. Um, so, yeah, this was, uh, this sucks really bad. So, to leave it off. Fun for fact? A, for a fun fact. Yes. Because this has been so fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. In the 1995 film Waterworld... I never saw it. Starring Kevin Costner. It was terrible, though, right? I saw it once, and I honestly—I don't remember. <laughs> I really don't remember uh-huh. anything about it, but I did see it. The Exxon Valdez <laughs> is the flagship of the movie's vi- movie villain, the Deacon. Really? The leader of a band of scavenging raiders. <laughs> In the ship is a portrait of their patron saint, Joseph Hazelwood. Well, that's kind of vilifying someone who maybe wasn't the villain, but still, that's very interesting. <laughs> and that was the <clears throat> depressing end yeah. to this tragedy. It wasn't going to end well. We no. knew that. And another fun <clears throat> fact, everybody learned so much from this tragedy. That it never happened that it again. never happened the again. Yay. Until 21 years oh. later. Where we go through this whole oh. fucking thing all over again, except off the coast of Louisiana. Congratulations, People, human beings, we are scum. Pretty much. That's that's. I really felt like I wanted to take a shower after yeah. reading all of this. Um, but we still like you, listeners. Yes, we like I, you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're not scum. No, not at all. I just mean the collective royal we, as humans are scum. Yeah, quite a yeah. <laughs> quite a we few. We fuck a, up everything. Yeah, quite a few people. Anyway. So anyway. All right. So that was the part two. Of the Exxon Valdez oil spill. Once again, this has been All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. We'll see you next week. And... Know your exits. And now I have to think of something clever to interrupt you with. Nope. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Stop it!